Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, Pretty loud. making a world a better place, one show uh-huh. at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show. Straight up in here, it's a little back, little awkward. Thank you. All right, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show. It's a a sunny day in the city of Chicago, but it's a little cooler on the north side where I am. And, uh, you know, people are still wearing coats and big sweaters. But <laughs> uh, inland, it's, it's very, very nice. It's very, very nice. It feels like spring. But uh, over here, we have yet to see it. But it's sunny. And I hope wherever you are in the world that you are enjoying this lovely, lovely, lovely day. You know, if you're wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you know, if if you, even if you're in a house and you're not doing anything, but listening to me, the George Wilder Jr. show, that's that's beautiful. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Um we have no guests today. I didn't schedule anybody for today. I, I probably did that on purpose because sometimes, you know, I can uh do the show whether a guest or without a guest. But yeah, I I prefer guests because they're always so enlightening. And uh I'm never too old and you're never too old to learn something from somebody who's a lot younger than the both of us, uh, all of us, and uh, I learn something every day, all the time. I, I, and that's the truth. I learn something every day, all the time. Things I never learned in school, never learned in college, never learned anywhere else. I, I just, you learn stuff all the time. Some things, if you think about school, a lot of things, they're, they're purposely not teaching you in school. Um, grammar school, high schools. Some colleges and some even some universities, they're not teaching you some things. They're holding things back. back. So if, you, if the educational institutions are not teaching you a lot of the things that you should know, it's up to you to find out these things for yourself. You know, because, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, if you really want to um, stretch your imagine, stretch your intelligence, um, 
I was going to say imagination. That was the wrong word. Anyway, um, it's a beautiful day in the city of Chicago. I'm glad to be here, folks. I'm glad you're listening and and um, all of that good stuff. And we're going to try and make it a good show for you and for myself and for everybody out there. This is George Wilder Jr. And, and we're all about, about making the world a better place. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be anything monumental. It could be a smile or a handshake or doing something to help someone. Uh, doesn't have to you and you don't need money all the time to help to make the world a better place. You don't need money to uh, help brighten up someone's day. You don't need cash. You don't. And uh, this show is not about that. This is about um, making the world a better place uh, and doing it without, you know, the infusion of cash. But money is always. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying it. it's not needed uh, when it comes to uh, uh, making the world a better place, being nice, being nice to someone, being kind and courteous to someone. We've we've uh, left that. I mean, in, in the era of Trump, I might as well I might as well be just uh, whisk, whistling Dixie, as they, they would say. But in the era of Trump is useless. You know, I mean, but but we have to get that back. And we've. We didn't have it much before Trump became, but we surely don't have it now. This guy has divided the country. He's divided uh, races among races. He's divided the the people who love against uh, 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 fighting with the people who hate. I mean, it's all over, and, and it's very serious. People who hate, they aren't afraid to say that they're haters. They're coming out of the woodwork and say, I hate you, or I want to harm you. Oh, I think you should go back to wherever you came from. And most of them are on welfare. They're on food stamps. I mean, they're on Obamacare. Trump is doing them in just like he's doing uh, all Americans in. And But it, these crazy people, they still support him. You know, a lot of the people who are – I've seen a lot of Trump supporters, and wow. Uh, as I got, as I just got through saying, a lot of these people are on food stamps. They're on uh, rental assistance. Rental. Let me try that again. <laughs> They're on food stamps, rental assistance, and you know, getting government health care. You know, and Trump is is, is uh, ruining their lives as he's ruining everybody else's lives, but they're still voting for him. They're still uh, advocating for him, they're still de- uh, defending him. I, I don't understand that, but we, but you know what, Trump supporters. I mean, hey, I'm not, I'm not a Trump supporter. I don't even want Trump supporters on the show or even calling into the show because I am just so fed up with this guy. There is nothing you can tell me about Trump that's going to make me want to uh, uh, vote for him next time if he should end up. Uh, running for re-election, he may not last. Uh, he may not last uh, up to the midterms, you know. But I am not a Trump supporter. I never. And if you if you've listened to the show over the time over time, you would probably know that. <laughs> you would know that I. No, 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 no. And I don't have too much tolerance for Trump supporters either. And if they don't have tolerance for this show, that's too bad. I don't care. But um, the guy has screwed up, and he keeps screwing up. 
Um, I was reading somewhere uh, where they just caught him in another lie. This must have been his 500,000th lie, saying that he wasn't in Russia or Moscow at a certain time when flight records proved that he was. He just got busted, caught. I'm going to I'm gonna um, probably talk a little bit more about that, dig more into that, because that's, <laughs> that's what they're talking about, how Trump, uh, something about a PP tape or something, I'm not too familiar with that, uh, something that happened back in two, uh, 2013. Um, and Trump had admitted and tweeted and said he wasn't in Moscow on that date or that year. And suddenly they dug up some records, flight records, documentations uh, with his signature saying that he was there. <laughs> All right, he's going to try to get out of this one. But uh, I don't think he's going to try to get out of this one. What I think he's going to do is try to deflect and uh, deflect and uh, divide, you know, try to get us, try to get us to stop talking about that. And there's people who are saying that Trump is going to resign. Uh, that's, I mean, that's been said for months now, and he's still there. I don't see how he can continue, actually. I really don't see how he can t- continue to go on um, as he does. You know, I wish he would uh, resign, save the taxpayer a lot of money in, tr- in impeaching him. Uh, maybe he'll go to jail. I mean, Mueller is still uh, uh, this investigation into Russia meddling and delusion is still open. Uh, someone said that if Trump is not guilty, then why does he always act guilty? I, I've said that from the outset. I've said that from the outset. <laughs> I'm looking at a photograph where Trump is embracing M- Milana. Uh, and uh, it seemed like a fake kiss, but <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And Allison Mack, I don't know if uh, I've, I've uh, I, I don't think I've ever talked about her. But anyway, she, if you've been following this, she's just been released from jail. Um, Allison Mack released on $5,000 bond in sex trafficking case. If you don't know who Allison Mack is, if you haven't been following me, she's an actress. She's not a very good one. I've I've got um, stuff here at, which she is in. She is in, and uh, she's not too good. She's an overzealous actress. I think she overacts a lot. And the Allison Mack has just been released on five thousand five million dollar bond. Excuse me, in sex trafficking case. Uh, she, she's an actress. She, her longest running um, television series was Smallville. I mean, I've, I've got some um, DVDs, uh, Smallville with Tom, Tom well, Welling, I think, uh, the star. It's a Superman series. It, it's, a, you know, one of many, you know. And uh, bail for Smallville actress, Allison, Allison Mack, was set at $5 million dollars in a Tuesday hearing at Brooklyn Federal Court as she was released to serve her home home detention at her parents' house in Los 
in California. Okay, Mac was indicted on April 19th for charges of sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, and forced labor conspiracy in New York federal courts. He appeared before the magistrate at the Brooklyn courthouse in New York Eastern District. She's out of jail. Wow, I would have never, I mean, I've, I, I've watched this woman on television. I've, I've got DVDs with her. She's not the star of Smallville. She's just one of the characters uh, in the series. And it's, the series, I understand, uh, was a very long one. I think it lasted around nine or 10 years. And for those nine or 10 years, Allison Mack was a part of the um, uh, of series. She, she was one of the main characters. And uh, I, I would have never guessed. Uh, she's always been a lousy actress, from far as I can tell. But I would have never guessed she would be part of, <laughs> part of a sex trafficking cult, as they're saying here. And uh, she, $5, $5 million. I mean, wow. She, I, I didn't think she had to, Her mother, I think her mother... Uh, uh, mortgaged a house or something or, or uh, took money out of the bank or something and, to get her out of jail. Now she's at home. Um, uh, the police ha- have her on home monitoring because they're saying that she is a flight risk. Uh, even though she's out on $5 million bail, but she still has to show back up in court. And she could still go to jail you know, for this because this is a crime. Okay, the expectation is that Mac is cutting a deal with prosecutors to provide information against Nextum, the founder, uh, Keith Rainier, who was arrested last month in Mexico and remains in federal custody. A bail hearing for Rainier is set for next week. Her mother, Allison Mac, her mother, Melinda Mac, was in court and put up her home, wow, as collateral for the bail in addition to property and a bank account owned by Allison Mack. So I'm pretty sure with that $5 million bail, they're broke. Uh, Allison Mack needs Superman. The actress, she was uh, accused of helping run a secretive cult, sex cult appeared in court the actress was accused of helping to run a secretive sex cult appeared in court in gray uh, jean jail scrubs. Mm. She spoke softly in court and did not appear to make eye contact with her mother during the hearing. I'm pretty sure she would be embarrassed, her mother. Her mother. She's going to put her mother through all of this. Wow. After standing before the judge who signed the bond, Melinda Mack turned her head to watch her daughter being led out of the courtroom back to her cell. Mack was not in handcuffs. Max was not, Max was not handcuffed, but she kept her hands grasped behind her back during the 15-minute hearing. The petite 35-year-old said few words and stayed grim-faced but nodded repeatedly. Her mother's shoulder-length hair was messy. Her shoulder-length hair was messy. Later, as Melinda Mack left the courtroom, she and Allison Mack's attorney, 
She and Allison Mack's attorney, William McGovern, refused to comment on the case. Allison Mack was released on the condition that she serve her serve home attention with electronic monitoring. Conditions of her bail allowed her to travel to South Carolina and to uh, California and maybe to New York where her criminal attorneys are based. Mack's attorney said she would attend, she would return, excuse me, to her parents' home as soon as possible. Mack's father, opera singer, opera singer Jonathan Mack, was not in court but obliged to co-sign her bail collateral arrangement by May 4th. Wow, she just causing a lot of headache for her parents and you would think that she was um her life was on track she was acting she was in movies she was in a tv series i think she acted alongside of um the guy who was in uh, lord of the rings i mean i think she acted alongside of him in a series called wilford for four years i think and, and I think, and I do believe that her career is on track. Nobody knows how long she, how long she's been uh, getting, recruiting other women into this cult to sell sex. I don't know. Was she selling sex? I mean, anytime um, you have a, a, a female um, recruiting other females into some sort of sex a cult, selling sex, you, you figure that they themselves must have done it also. So Allison Mack is out of jail, but on home monitoring. Uh, uh, Five million dollars. Uh, Five million dollars. That, that's a high, pretty high ass bail. A lot of people can live off a million or maybe half a million, but this, wow, this had to break her family. This really had to break her family. I haven't I haven't heard anything of her coworkers coming to her to rescue or anything. You know, people who she uh, starred with in movies and uh, television shows, and most people haven't even heard, never heard of Allison Mack. And I can understand that she's not a household name, but she is an actress and she has been on television. She has been in movies. Believe me, I have some stuff here with with her in, and she is not a good actress. I think she overacts, I think she's overzealous, you know, but that's just me. Um, uh, I think she could be a good actress if she really worked at it. And I've heard people say that in real life, she was very, very snobbish. Um, so if you don't know Allison Mack, it's, it's, it's no big deal. She was just another actress in the, uh, in the series. Uh, along with a lot of other, among a lot of other characters, she was in Smallville, the Superman uh, series that ran, I think, nine or ten years. I have some uh, DVDs on it. I think I have the sixth season on the fifth season, maybe the ninth season. But I don't have much, you know, because I wasn't really a fan of the show, and I don't, and I don't think the show was that great. But uh, you know, a lot of people did, a lot of people watched it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is six nineteen straight up. Chicago time, 6.19 p.m., and we're here trying to make the world a better place. Making the world a better place one show at a time. Be kind to, be kind to one another. It is so easy. Hate and lies, have, they have no home here. Believe me, 
uh, complete whatever is incomplete so that you can feel more complete every single day. Make sure to leave comments. I love hearing uh, feedback, getting feedback from people on the show, or just anything, anything that any, anything that I do, I would love to have feedback from people. At least say something positive. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. president attacking top Republican Bob Corker, who the president will need in order to push his agenda through Congress. So what's the strategy here? Let's bring in CNN political commentator Anna Navarro and CNN political commentator Ben Ferguson. Washington Post has broken news about the the fraying edges of the nation's Justice Department. According to this new reporting in the Washington Post tonight, quote, Attorney General Jeff Sessions recently told the White House he might have to leave his job if President Trump fires his deputy, Rod Rosenstein, who oversees the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. Sessions made his position known in a phone call to White House counsel Don McGahn last weekend as Trump's fury at Rod Rosenstein peaked after the deputy attorney general approved the FBI's raid on the president's personal attorney, Michael Cohen. And of course, because this is our lives, this is our collective life now. Uh, we also tonight learn in the Washington Post, um, we learn more about the mean nicknames the president has given the top law enforcement officials in the country. We get a little more detail on that. Quote, people familiar with Jeff Sessions' thinking say he has said several times that he would find it difficult to remain as attorney general if Trump, for no good reason, fired Rosenstein, the veteran prosecutor in Baltimore that Sessions chose to be his deputy. But Sessions has had little ability to do anything about it, given his own shaky standing with Trump for recusing himself from the Russia investigation. Trump at times has referred to attorney general Jeff Sessions as Mr. Magoo, and he has referred to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein as Mr. Peepers, a character from a 1950s sitcom. Whereupon, in order to cover the news tonight, I have to show you a picture of Mr. Peepers from that 1950s sitcom. And now everybody laughs about those mean nicknames the president is so good at coming up with when he really gets into the wallowing fun of humiliating people for his own pleasure. Uh, but again, the headline here is that the attorney general says he may resign in protest if the president fires Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein as a way of trying to kill the Russia investigation. And that is a capital S scoop for the Post tonight. Quote, Sessions' message to the White House, which has not previously been reported, underscores the political firestorm that Trump would invite should he attempt to remove the Deputy Attorney General. While Trump also has railed against Sessions at times, the protest resignation of an attorney general which would be likely to incite other departures within the administration, 
that would create a moment of profound crisis for the White House. So if, Resh, if Rosenstein gets fired, Sessions says he's out in protest. The Post may be right that that would set off a string of resignations. Poss- to- totally possible. As I said, it's Friday. So surprise, there's a lot going on in the news. But you know, from that Post story, while we are on the subject of, of profound crisis in the White House, Today, history played a rerun, and it turns out it's one of my favorite episodes. Um, On June 17th, 1972, at 2.30 in the morning, five men got busted breaking into the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee in Washington. It was the Watergate break-in, right? The next day, there was definitely news coverage about that. It was interesting, right? Huh? Five guys? All with ties to Miami for some reason? What were, they, what were these five guys doing in Washington burglarizing that Democratic Party office? Uh, this is from the first Washington Post story about that burglary, a story by Alfred E. Lewis. Quote, there was no immediate explanation as to why the five suspects would want to bug the Democratic National Committee offices or whether or not they were working for any other individuals or organizations. So th- there was news coverage of that burglary, right? It, 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 was, it was of interest that there had been this burglary. But it was kind of mild interest. Certainly nobody in the press was immediately jumping to conclusions about this being the first signs of a gigantic political conspiracy that would ultimately take down the sitting president, Richard Nixon, which it did. But it's interesting, somewhat lost to history. Um, But the Democratic Party actually did kind of go right there, right away, when the Watergate burglary happened. The rest of the country didn't see it that way. The press certainly didn't see it that way. But the DNC, the Democratic Party, they went right to the end game immediately. Watergate break-in was on June 17th. On June 20th, just a couple days later, the DNC filed a civil lawsuit against the re-election campaign for President Nixon, saying that that little burglary at their headquarters That wasn't just a burglary. That wasn't just a moment of intrigue. That was a dirty trick by the president, and the president should have to answer for it. Lawrence O'Brien, chairman of the Democratic National Committee, today filed suit for $1 million against the committee for the re-election of the president and against five men arrested early Saturday who were charged with breaking into the party's national headquarters at the Watergate in Washington. Carl Stern has a report. I wish to emphasize, as national chairman of this party, the deadly seriousness with which we view this entire matter. I am pleased to note that the FBI is investigating this case. But I am shocked to learn that the White House, through its official spokesman, deems unworthy of notice this blatant act of political espionage. Famed criminal lawyer Edward Bennett Williams, whose law firm represents O'Brien, will try to question the five intruders a week from tomorrow and to take depositions even inside the committee to re-elect the president and the White House. Two of the intruders had the name and phone number of another ex-CIA agent who now works as a part-time consultant to the White House. O'Brien refused to link the committee and the White House directly to what happened, but he says he knows more than he's telling, and he says he feels he is on the right track in suing the committee as a co-conspirator with the five men. Carl Stern, NBC News, Washington. So right after the Watergate burglary happened, right away, the DNC filed a civil lawsuit against the committee to re-elect the president, saying that wasn't just some random assemblage of burglars. 
their lawsuit basically said, hey, President Nixon, you did this. Your campaign did this. You have to answer for it. And, you know, you saw that very sober coverage the night that the lawsuit was filed there on, on NBC News. Honestly, people thought they were a little bit nuts for doing this and for saying that this was some conspiracy that went all the way to Nixon. It, to people at the time, it really seemed over the top. The Democratic Party blames the Republicans for sending five men to burglarize or bug its national headquarters. Accordingly, it is suing for one million dollars. If it works, if they win the suit, it'll be a new and quite novel way of raising political money, a device no one has ever used before. The Democrats are nine million dollars in debt, and if they win, if they should squeeze a million dollars out of the Republicans, that will be just one-ninth of what they need to pay off their old campaign debts. It is not clear why, if the Democrats are intent on suing, why they didn't sue for the full amount they need, nine million, and try to force the Republicans to bail them out of debt. It is one way of getting even. People tell me all the time, oh, our era is so poisoned by terrible cable news has gotten so snarky. You know what? David Brinkley had a pretty good on-air snark in 1972. Right, oh, the, the, the Democrats brought this cute little lawsuit. Obviously, it's just to get them out of debt, and they're saying it's about that burglary. Ha! Huh. Right. David Brinkley is saying there what everybody was thinking at the time. This was a joke. The Democratic Party is going to lay blame for that burglary at the doorstep of the White House? Everybody thought it was a joke, but they did it. They filed this lawsuit. This is the Washington Post coverage the next day. Byline, Bob Woodward. Headline, O'Brien sues GOP campaign, lays blame for bugging on White House. Democratic National Chairman Lawrence O'Brien apparently seizing on the break-in and attempted bugging of party headquarters here as a major campaign issue, attempted yesterday to lay responsibility for the incident at the door of the White House. He said there's a developing clear line to the White House and cited what he called the potential involvement of special counsel to the president, Charles Colson. O'Brien made his remarks as the DNC filed a million-dollar lawsuit in U.S. District Court here against the Committee for the Re-Election of the President whose chief security agent, James McCord, was one of the five men arrested at the break-in at 2.30 a.m. on Saturday. President Nixon's campaign chair, former Attorney General John Mitchell, denied any party responsibility for the break-in and called the lawsuit, quote, another example of sheer demagoguery on the part of Mr. O'Brien. Mr. Mitchell called O'Brien's lawsuit a political stunt. Stunt, sheer demagoguery. That was the line from the president's re-election campaign, and nobody in the press took it seriously. But we now know that those wacky, over-the-top Democrats were onto it. They were right. I mean, the, the DNC chair said, we think there's potential involvement here by President Nixon's special counsel, Chuck Colson. Well, Chuck Colson ended up serving time in federal prison for Watergate. The DNC said, hey, look, we're suing the president's re-election campaign because the chief security agent for the campaign, this guy James McCord, he was right there in the middle of it. Well, James McCord also ended up going to prison for Watergate. When the Democrats filed their lawsuit, the president's campaign chair, John Mitchell, comes out and calls it a political stunt, sheer demagoguery. Well, John Mitchell, former attorney general of the United States, Nixon's campaign chair, yeah, he ends up serving 19 months in federal prison for Watergate. All of these guys dismissing it. Are you kidding? That's a crazy... Cons All those guys went to prison. 
And it wasn't that lawsuit by the DNC that put all those guys in prison. But that lawsuit by the DNC was the Democratic Party's way of planting a flag on that break-in and saying, you know what, this is a really big deal and it's, it's, it's a political scandal, it's not a burglary. That was their way of putting a flag in it saying, this is going to end up going right to the president, right to Richard Nixon. And nobody believed them when they started. But that lawsuit itself was the way they chose to try to get to the bottom of what was going on, but also to keep it in the public eye. For example, when they found something new in their investigation into what happened behind the Watergate burglary, one of their tactics was that they would amend their lawsuit. They'd amend their complaint in this lawsuit. That would result in a new filing showing up on the docket for that case, that would be publicly available. That would give reporters something else to report about this scandal as it slowly, slowly, slowly widened out. In politics today, the Democratic Party was in court, strengthening its complaint that the committee to re-elect President Nixon had engaged in political espionage. Tomorrow, the Democrats will find a, file a complaint which alleges that Maurice Stans, former Secretary of Commerce and now finance chairman for President Nixon, financed the break-in at Democratic Party headquarters. Stans says this is a scurrilous pack of lies. The Democrats' complaint will say Stans used $114,000 in Republican campaign funds to establish a political espionage squad. A scurrilous pack of lies. This was the fall of 1972. The Democrats had a new filing in their lawsuit. They amended their complaint so everybody got access to their amendment. They're signaling that they thought they had found an even closer link between the burglary and President Nixon and his campaign. And indeed, Mr. Scurrilous Pack of Lies, Maurice Stans, the finance chair for Nixon's campaign, did end up pleading guilty on multiple charges. That was, that was late 1972, that little clip we just showed you there. The public at that point still basically wasn't all that interested in the Watergate scandal. Good evidence of that fact is the fact that in, in November 1972, Nixon was getting reelected even while all the burglars were under indictment. Like, people just didn't care that much about Watergate. The Democrats using this lawsuit to try to pry out new information in the case, right? They got sworn depositions that helped them establish the links between the campaign and the burglary. They keep filing amendments to the lawsuit to try to get people to cover it as an ongoing and widening scandal. In part, that lawsuit was just their way of trying to keep the story alive because they believed it was about the president. Well, by the following year, by the spring of the following year, by 1973, spring, that story would no longer need any helping along, no, no longer need any kindling by the Democratic Party, because by then the Watergate hearings started and John Dean flipped as White House counsel and special prosecutor got appointed and you know, ultimately the president would have to resign the office and leave in disgrace. But back in the slow days... That lawsuit by the DNC, even though everybody thought it seemed hysterical when they first filed it, not only were the Democrats right in their claims in that lawsuit, in the end, they actually won that case. They had sued the committee to reelect the president for monetary damages. On the day that Richard Nixon left office in disgrace, the committee to reelect the president, his reelection committee, quietly sent the Democratic Party a check for, for, for three quarters of a million dollars. The Democrats were right. They won that lawsuit. And on the day Nixon left office, nobody noticed, right? Because people had other things on their minds. The Democrats getting their check and being proved right, that wasn't exactly the headline news of that day.
And I think because of that, um, the, the, the fact that the Democrats did this during Watergate, it was sort of lost to history for a long while. It was dug up just a few months ago, though, as a feature story on the hit Slate.com podcast, Slow Burn, uh, by reporter Leon Nafok. After the lawsuit was filed, Democratic National Committee Chair Lawrence O'Brien did something hardly anyone was willing to do at that early stage. He directly blamed the burglary on the White House. O'Brien pointed out the irony of a president who had run as tough on crime being involved in illegal campaign tactics. He said the country was about to witness the ultimate test of this administration that so piously committed itself to a new era of law and order just four years ago. O'Brien's lawyer thought he should be careful about accusing the president of criminal activity. But the chairman of the DNC was not worried. I've studied Nixon since the Kennedy campaign, he said. I have no doubt that the trail will lead to the Oval Office if we can hang in there long enough. So that was on the Slow Burn podcast just a couple months ago, digging out that fascinating and mostly forgotten artifact from how the Democrats fought their side of the fight in Watergate. Well, now, today, surprise, uh, that artifact from Watergate not only proved itself to be dug up, today it reanimated and came back to life. Because, look, today the DNC, the Democratic Party today, filed a forgotten Watergate-style civil freaking lawsuit against the Trump campaign over the Russia scandal. It's about the way they were broken into in this scandal, just like DNC headquarters were broken into back in the summer of 1972. Today, the DNC contends in this suit that although it was Russia who did the hacking to break into DNC headquarters, they allege that the Trump campaign and people associated with the campaign were willing and active partners for Russia in this crime. And the list of defendants is long. The DNC is suing uh, the Russian Federation, which means Russia, the GRU, which is Russian military intelligence. They're suing the specific staff from the GRU who posed as the hacker Guccifer 2.0, which was the hacker that took credit for the hacking and robbery of the DNC. Uh, they are bringing this suit against Eris and Emin Aralaga. Agalarov, excuse me, Russian business associates of Trump who were behind setting up the Trump Tower meeting during the campaign. They also brought this suit against Joseph Mifsud, who's the mysterious character who uh, prosecutors say told Trump campaign aide George Papadopoulos that Russia had stolen Democratic emails. Uh, the lawsuit is also brought against WikiLeaks and its founder Julian Assange, who packaged and distributed the stuff that Russia stole. After them, there's a whole bunch of familiar names. The Trump campaign. Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Jared Kushner, George Papadopoulos, Rick Gates. Also, the last line there, some unnamed John Doe's 1 through 10.
White House doctor Ronnie Jackson will not withdraw from the veterans <laughs> VA secretary nomination. Uh, the embattled veteran of veterans affairs nominee will fight the allegations of past unprofessional conduct. Wow. If you've been following this, folks, uh, the president's doctor, Trump's doctor, he has nominated his doctor to head up the Veterans Affairs. What does he know anything about the Veterans Affairs, the Veteran uh, VA, Veterans Association, VA? What does he know? Veterans Affairs. That's the problem with Donald Trump. He's always electing or nominating someone to, to these cabinet posts who have no experience whatsoever. They don't even know what they're doing. He just puts them there because they kiss his ass. They show him that they're going to lie and cover up for him. They're going to give him their loyalty experience for these posts, for these valuable taxpayer jobs. He doesn't give a damn. He put these idiots out. He put these idiots in these posts for one thing, to cut and destroy these programs because they know exactly nothing about what they're doing. And most of, most of Americans know this. I know this. You know this. And now he wants to give his uh, uh, doctor... <laughs> His doctor, just because his doctor said he was in great health, now he wants to make his doctor the head of the VA. That's crazy. I mean, th this is why America is the way it is now. Trump is electing these, uh, uh, and Congress is confirming these people. But they're they're not so uh, giddy about uh, Randy, ja Rand I think it's Randy Jackson, or is it... Uh, let me see, get the name right. Ronnie Jackson. They're not so uh, giddy about Ronnie Jackson because he has no experience. And plus, he has demonstrated unprofessional conduct in past years. But this guy is constantly trying to say he's going to fight for this job. He's going to fight for this nomination. He's going to do this, even though he has no experience whatsoever. He's, he's there for one reason and one reason only to destroy it, to destroy the agency. And there is so much evidence of that. I mean, there, I mean, here is a guy going along, getting by okay, had a nice job in the White House, pretty boring, I'm, I'm assuming, but he was not losing his job. Then Trump comes along using his unusual <laughs> finest profession, professional expertise and has, uh, really made a mess out of this by not doing it, doing proper vetting. Now the guy will wind up with no job and force out into rehab. That's a possibility. Because one of the things we do know, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is ruined. We have no State Department to speak of. Betty DeVos is trying to strip the public school system. Carson is cutting <laughs> HUD to nothing. And now they want to destroy the VA. What's next? 
we have a bunch of amateurs running this country. By the time we get these people out of the White House and out of the government, it will take a decade to repair the damage that they've done to the country in such a short while. Our debt will be bigger than it was in World War II. And they will have stripped our protected federal lands we worked so hard for for centuries to save our future generations. They will strip our constitutional, damage our law and order, and leave us in chaos. That's what it's all about, folks. This is what the Trump administration and the Republicans in the office are all about ruining this country and making money off of it. Ruining this country, tearing it to shreds. That's the reason why Donald Trump elect a lot of these knuckleheads to his cabinet to destroy these agencies. That's all they're doing. They're not there to make them better. If they if they would have told Trump before they got their positions that they were going to make these agencies better, he wouldn't have hired them. They have no experience. Just like Trump don't, doesn't have any experience to be doing the job he's doing. The guy's a fake president. What can we say? It's just so awesome. It's just so awesome that we have uh, a really pathetic president who's hiring pathetic people to head these departments to destroy these agencies. Trump never, ever thought about making uh, America great again. That was just a con. That was just a a clown line. That was just a buffoon statement. He conned his way into office. He faked his way into office. He told Russia to hack uh, the elections. Now he's denying it. And now, you know, he's putting these people in. And I'm pissed off. I, I really don't 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 like the fact that he's putting a lot of these people who know nothing about the job uh, into these vital and, and sensitive uh, positions to destroy them, to cut, cut, cut. That's all it is. Cut, cut, cut. I haven't heard much about his wall lately, but I'm pretty sure it's still on his mind because this is what Donald Trump is. You know, I don't think that wall is ever going to come to fruition because it's going to be taxpayer, tax. Uh, uh, they're going to use try to use tax money for it, and we don't want that. But they don't care what we want. They don't care what we think. They don't care that we call them slime balls. They're going to continue to be slime balls because that's what they are. All right, Randy Jackson, uh, he's going to fight for this job. He's going to fight for this position because the Republicans and the Democrats are saying no, but he's going to fight for it anyway. Um and I'm hoping that, that they do not confirm him. But in some instances, every pick that Donald Trump picked to be a, a head of an agency, uh, they end up getting somehow getting confirmed. However, the midterms are, are uh, in the future, a uh, few months away, seems like, seems like forever. <laughs> a few months away, and we we have a chance to vote these people out, change America. And I agree 
with uh, what uh, one of the posters said that it's going to take a, a long time to uh, get America back on track again because it took, however, it took Donald Trump less than a year to wreck everything, to destroy everything. I mean, he's doing it and he doesn't give a damn what you think or how, uh, what you think about it. He's going to do it. And he's out there telling people, do not vote for Democrats. They're going to they're gonna change everything I've done. They're going to undo everything I've done. Yeah, just like you've tried to undo Obama. Of course. Of course. Folks, we're in some um, trying times. I mean, we really got to take back this country. And uh, I say that from the bottom of my heart. We've got to take back this country. Trump is taking it in the gutter. We've lost standing, standing in the world. Uh, we're at the bottom. We're not considered to some to some countries a superpower. I know some people say, "Well, who cares?" But um, and then you know the rest of the world—they're laughing at Trump. I don't think they're laughing at Americans. I think they're laughing at Trump because the rest of the world knows that the Americans we do not want Trump. We're trying to get him out of out of the White House, but the Republicans are complicit. A lot of these people are going to be going to jail. I hope so. I think people are going to be going to jail for for a long time. I think people are going to be going to jail for centuries, if not centuries, decades. Somebody's going to be charged with some sort of crime as we uh progress on into the future. Uh, somebody's going to be charged with some sort of crime uh, from this administration. From this administration. You know, because uh, it, it's just inedible. And I'll say it again. I don't think Trump is going to make it. I don't think he's going to make a full term. He may not even make it to the midterms. He could resign. There is so much, uh, so much shit swirling around Donald Trump and uh he may not be able to, uh, but he's he's uh, handling it right now. But uh, uh, you know, this is just too much shit uh, swirling around Trump. You know, it's just too much. I don't I don't think he can make it. His best bet, I think, would be to resign to save the taxpayers a lot of money of impeaching him. But Trump is like one of those uh, spoiled little three-year-old child, child, uh, like a spoiled three-year-old child where you just have to drag him, <laughs> drag him from the White House screaming. He ain't go, he's not going to leave no matter what. He loves power. He's in love with power. He's in love with thinking that he's somebody. He's in love with thinking that he's king or he's emperor. And we know he's not and he will never be. Neither is he a dictator an Adolf Hitler wannabe. That will never happen in America. At one point, uh, there was a talk of Trump dominating the world. We know that's not going to never happen because like I have just got through saying, world leaders are laughing at him, thinking he is, he's a joke, thinking he's a buffoon, thinking the same thing Americans are thinking, except for his Doty supporters. Okay, I am not a Trump fan. I don't I don't care who likes it and who doesn't like it. I'm I'm not a Trump fan. You know, he's taken this country, 
he's he's with his war on the, on the American people. I just don't like it. I, I just I can't stand him. Put it that way. I just don't like the guy. Uh, and it's not my makeup to say that I don't like somebody or to hate somebody or I can't stand him. It's not me to say those things, but Trump has just brought that out in me and, and a lot of people. He has just brought that out in me like, you know, George, I didn't know you were like that. I, I'm not. It's just that this guy is just, uh, you know, he just gets on my last nerve sometimes. You know, I I hate to see him come on my television set. Get off, you know. <laughs> And I'm not the only one doing this. A lot of people I've heard that, that I've talked to say they do the same thing. Anytime Trump uh, appears on that television set or their computer screen, they flick it off. You know, they say they just can't stand looking at it. And I can understand that. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And we were just talking about White House Dr. Ronnie Jackson will not withdraw. He, that means he will not quit. He will not stop trying to get that job in the VA, even though he is highly, highly, totally unqualified, totally unqualified. Like so many other Trump's picks that are totally unqualified. As I've said before, Trump hires these people to run these agencies, get these people to run these agencies for one thing, to destroy them. And that's what they're doing. The only reason why these agencies aren't totally destroyed because a lot of the people who depend on these agencies to do the jobs that they're supposed to be doing, they're suing a federal judge saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this or that or that or this, you know, but they can still cause a lot of damage, you know, but they're not going to, you know, uh, Eliminate the agency altogether is what Trump and DeVos wants to do. She's surely, that lady is surely going after education because that's what Trump wants them to do. Cut, cut, cut. And Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's supposed to be resigning. I mean, he says he's going to quit, walk out. I mean, he's been in Congress for a while, too. He's only 45 years old, and that's strange. Uh, but his entire political life has been this. Cut Social Security, cut, cut Medicaid, cut health care for the poor and the elderly. His uh, political career has been about the poor and the elderly. Cut, 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 eliminate, eliminate, and eliminate. I guess he feels that he can't do that, so he's going to quit. Well, good riddance. Let the door hit you in the ass. Get out. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of his supporters and and once supporters and constituency telling him that beside the whole world, at least in America. Who cares if you quit? I mean, I mean, you've got about 35 to 45 Republicans quitting their jobs, taking the money, but quitting their jobs. They're not broke. But they're quitting. And about 35, they're not going to run again because they know that they are failures. They know that they're not leaders. They know that they cannot lead the country. They know that they will not be voted back in. So they 
decided to quit, to leave, to try to give the people, to not give the people the chance of voting them out. So they're going to quit. Either way, whether they voted out or whether they quit, as long as they get out is the uh, thing. All right, anything goes, free talk and commentary on the George Wilder Jr. show. And we're on the air, and there is so much going on uh, in the news today, folks. And uh, we will be right back, Dust My Broom. (laughs) I just love that song. I I just discovered it, and uh, it sounds great. It really sounds great. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Let's see what we have here. I'm scrolling down. We will be right back. Another musical Ladies break. and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived. Keep on learning 
So, Maggie, how was your weekend? Oh, it was my daughter's birthday on Saturday. Thank was you it? For asking. Oh, yes. well, so, that's so I, nice. It is. I'm nice. glad you had Thank lots you. of time and breathing room to celebrate that. Amidst the tweet storm yeah. that focused in part on you, in part right. on Michael Cohen. So let me just read one of the president's 24 tweets this weekend, the one that re- relates to you. Uh, the New York Times and a third-rate reporter named Maggie Haberman, known as a crooked H. Flunky, who I don't speak to and have nothing to do with, are going out of their way to destroy Michael Cohen and his relationship with me in the hope that he will flip. They use non-existent, quote, sources, and a drunk drugged-up loser who hates Michael, a fine person... That is a, not you, Maggie, by the way. Who is that? With a wonderful, pers- uh, with a wonderful family. Uh, Michael is a businessman for his own account lawyer, huh? who I have always liked and respected. Most people will flip if the government lets them out of trouble, even if it means lying or making up stories. Sorry, I don't see Michael doing that, despite the horrible witch hunt capitalized and the dishonest media. He was upset about your reporting about the, the pickle that Michael Cohen is in. Right. What, how do you explain how exercised he was? Well, I think that this is a topic, as we've discussed here over several mornings, uh, is, is one that uh, is hitting a nerve with him. I think that he, is, he and his lawyers are very anxious about the Southern District investigation into Michael Cohen. That is right now more of an imminent threat than the Robert Mueller uh, special counsel probe is. Um, the president, uh, I, look, the story was really not about you know, destroying their relationship. The president has destroyed their relationship pretty handily on his own over a very long period of time. And that is what the story was about, which is that he has been, um, he is abusive, according to almost everyone I speak to, to, to most people in his orbit. And family is not accepted um, from that. But, but he is particularly abusive to Cohen over the years. And then the question becomes, does that come back to haunt him at this point? I, I do not believe that that would be um, an only factor in Cohen's mind. Only Michael Cohen obviously knows what he is thinking of doing. Because he's been um, so loyal, despite the verbal been, abuse correct. and despite the disrespect, correct. he's been so loyal. So correct. obviously that hasn't bothered him to that degree in the past. Well, or at least there wasn't sort of the, the presentation of his life or the president's life right. in front of him before. And that, I think, is what is going to end. Prosecutor is going to hand him. Right. And look, let's just be clear about what's going on. You know, Maggie, uh, better than anybody we're nowhere near the idea of Michael Cohen being presented with any kind of offer no. to have to do anything. Correct. We know there's an investigation. Uh, I still don't understand what the charges would be. Right. Uh, reading right. everything through, I, I don't even know what it is yet. So we're going to have to see what it is. No, but it's, that a doesn't very good, mean it's a very good point. It's that the good. president is not uh, preoccupied right. with this. That's why he'd go after you. Everybody mm-hmm. knows his, um, his description of your relationship and who you are is silly. Uh, there are few reporters that he's given more access to. We know what he's saying isn't true, but it is a clear reflection of what's going on with him. Mm. Now, are we going to have this situation be once again where he's flooded the zone with so much BS that we don't look at each of it individually? Because this is a man who has pledged to take the opioid mm-hmm. um, crisis real, to treat addiction in a mm-hmm. way that no president has before. We know he has to be talking about Sam Nunberg, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody yes. else fits the description of Correct. being anyone who would be connected in any way to any kind of uh, problems with addiction except for him. Um, and again, maybe it's speculation, maybe it isn't, <clears throat> but that's true. Mm-hmm. Should he be held to account, the president of the United States, for referring to somebody as a drugged-up drunk when he says he wants to mm-hmm. give attention to addiction, treat these mm-hmm. people with respect, treat them as sick, help with the problem, because he just identified the problem. Mm-hmm. He is the problem. The stigma is a big part of the problem Absolutely. in changing how we deal with it. 
I know all the other stuff is great political intrigue, no, but, but should we focus on that? I, I totally agree with you. Yes, we should. I mean, this is somebody who, a huge driver for his election, both in the primaries and in the general election, was concerned about the opioid crisis, um, the spread of addiction, the lack of treatment, the lack of options. He was very good at going to events and sort of sounding a note of compassion, calling someone a drugged-up loser on Twitter, and especially then creating this kind of, who is it? Is it Sam Nunberg? Is it someone else game? Um, that is the opposite, and that is something um, that people who have been uh, working in the field of addiction for a very long time have been trying to push back against. When it comes from the President of the United States, it is, it is a fundamentally stronger message. And it is, as we know, I mean, I think this is the reality, Chris, that you're pointing to, and it's an important, it's an important point. Um, this is how he really feels what he's, about addicts. You know, we know that he had a brother who died of alcoholism. We know that he considers addiction to be weak. Um, Whatever he says to people when he is either um, dealing with people who have lost children, as he did recently in New Hampshire, um, to opioids, or when he is trying to sound as if he is focused on this crisis, that is very revealing to say what he said. Um, he's obviously very exercised as well about what's happened with James Comey, the book tour, and the memos that were released that James Comey had written after meeting with um, Donald Trump. So here's another tweet. James Comey illegally leaked classified documents to the press in order to generate a special counsel. Therefore, the special counsel was established based on an illegal act. Really? Does anybody know what that means? I mean, I don't know that he knows what that means based on that tweet, because we don't actually know that what Comey did um, was quote unquote illegal. We do not know whether there was classified information that should have been, that was retroactively classified. The inspector general is looking that at that is being looked. At. Well, there's a big difference between something being looked at and something being done. But, the same way there is a big difference between a country saying they're going to denuclearize and actually saying that. for sure. And I we're going to get to that. Yeah. But that is what triggered the special counsel. He's mm -hmm. right about that. The, the, the James Comey handing over the. Uh, memos to a friend. Well, Rosenstein no, I was triggered say, the special that's counsel. That's not true. Yeah, there were, the, the memos were part of it, but the fact that the president fired Comey mm -hmm. in what um, the deputy attorney general clearly was concerned was at least partly politically yep. motivated, partly personally motivated, all of that is what triggered Sure, sure. But I mean, you just heard James Comey there say, I had hoped to, to push. trigger yes. something by releasing sure. these because he was so alarmed by what he had already heard. Sure. But, I mean, I think that, again, this, this always goes back. The president's very good at winnowing things down to the act and trying to get us to kind of um, fight on those terms. Uh, he, he has been more successful than I think people realize at setting the terms of debate of the coverage of what he does. But the reality is that as the Comey memos present and as all of our independent reporting showed at the time, the, the collective we, there were many reasons um, that people were concerned. And about Rosenstein pulled the trigger. On this, okay. and, you know, and this was this was uh, right. Trump's guy. You know what's impressive to me about this? Not that he once again. How can you not know how to spell counsel with special counsel when you've written about it so many times, <laughs> Mr. President? Trump you know, take a beat. You know, realize what words you're putting down there. Your words matter. How can somebody yeah, who has good Twitter? Well, but I mean, at this point, how many times has he written about Jim Comey and the special right. counsel? He still misspells it. What I'm what I'm saying is. Somebody who has the best information in the world about all of this stuff, right? We don't even come close. He is always going off what he hears in the media about yeah, this. Right. Jim Comey says, you know, I really wanted to give it a push, you know. And he's kind of, he's kind of boosting himself anyway, right? It's part of his book tour. Yeah, he knows well, uh, that it was his firing, not what he did. Uh, but 
The president picks up on what the guy says as part of his book tour, and that's more important to him than all the information he could have about this investigation from the people doing it? He, as you both know, he comes to conclusions, Not and then he looks for information people. that can back that up. And so he's watching television, he's watching these interviews, he's watching Fox News, and he has decided that Comey is corrupt, and this is all wrong, and look, that's what points to it. And He's living the dream, this go. man. All the dreams that we've had of, boy, great to know for sure. He's always a phone call away yes, from sure. Yes. And yet he goes on what he sees on Fox. Can't control what that information that he's getting, um, you know, from his actual government. It's much easier to try to control what people are seeing through your Twitter feed. Hmm. All right. Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank everybody for uh, uh, for their input uh, for the last four years that I've been doing this. And it's been fun. It's been great. It's been beautiful. And um, I don't think I, I probably will never, ever stop. This is the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Let's see what we can do now. Okay. What's up? Only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. Enough to cross, enough to land, the last till the end of time. What the world needs now, the sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just you in love. What the world needs now, love, sweet love. No, not just
fact, Wall Street Journal will have anybody talking to the president. The Wall Street Journal's editorial board writes today, quote, every sentient voter in 2016 understood that Donald Trump had a bad history with women. But mistakes of character tend to catch up with everyone, and that's what is now happening with President Trump and his many women. Mr. Trump can't retain the best legal counsel because no one wants a client who ignores all advice. He wants to answer questions from Mr. Mueller, but probably won't prepare enough to avoid even accidental self-incrimination. The Stormy Daniels case is typical of Mr. Trump's pre-presidential behavior in thinking he can, with enough threats and dissembling, get away with anything. He's never understood that a president can't behave that way, and this may be the cause of his downfall. Susan, um, this is just among the first cracks in uh, terms of support, editorial support for the right. president from the journal. Yeah, and that's but the journal's exactly right. When you talk about the faults of his character coming back to haunt him, that not only plays to the president, but it also replays to a lot of Republicans in the House and the Senate right now who should be saying, I will stand up for what's right. I will speak against the president and what he's doing, as whether it's his policies or even some of the things, the attacks he makes on women and other people. But the Stormy Daniels thing is just something that hits so hits him so differently. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, we know he hasn't tweeted about it. He hasn't gone anywhere. But I think it's just a matter of time, and that's what I think a lot of people are waiting for. You know, Eddie, there's a piece in the New York Times today by Jonathan Martin about. Uh, various Republicans running around the country right. and they cannot they can't stand up and talk about real issues that affect people because the first question out of the box is the president's behavior. Right. I mean, it seems to me that this uh, Teflon Don is no longer Teflon Don when it comes to, to, to the Stormy Daniels question. I think there are three C's here. Uh, there's the case, there's the client, and there's the climate. I don't think any lawyer in their right mind wants to take on the case. I don't think any lawyer who, who's worth his or her salt uh, wants to deal with a client that will not pay attention, that will not lie, that will not follow advice. That and will then not pay. That will not pay. <laughs> and then there's the climate. The climate is not only the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement has changed the way in which uh, people understand and, and accept uh, certain kinds of behavior, where the, how they judge that behavior. There's the climate in terms of uh, the, the serious, uh, I think, uh, response to Russian interference in our elections. There's uh, kind of economic uncertainty. There's the chaos that's coming out of the White House. So all of this that that, that I think informs how people are judging and assessing what's going on, I think is also shaping and informing how lawyers are, are assessing whether or not they will take on this case. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and speaking of the Republicans and that Jonathan Martin article and Stormy Daniels, let's go to the latest in the Stormy Daniels story. Uh, the porn star is now suing Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, for defamation, claiming that he betrayed her as a liar when denying claims of her affair with Donald Trump. The new filing also argues that the $130,000 hush money agreement signed just 11 days before the election should be nullified because it violated campaign finance law. Meanwhile, the White House is trying to explain why the president has not responded to the porn star directly. Yesterday, the in the morning after her 60 Minutes interview aired, the president tweeted, quote, so much fake news, never been more volu voluminous or inaccurate. But through it all, our country is doing great. A senior administration official tells NBC News that the president has discussed his response with several aides and has been told that the Stormy Daniels issue doesn't rise to the level of a presidential response. 
The senior official also counseled Trump, telling him that it doesn't endanger his presidency or agenda. Here's the White House yesterday. Can you state categorically that the president, his campaign, and the Trump organization did not violate federal law, specifically election law, uh, regarding that payment? Well, uh, I can speak for only the White House, uh, and I can say categorically that obviously White House didn't engage in uh, any any wrongdoing. Uh, the campaign or uh, Mr. Cohen, the, yeah, the campaign or Mr. Cohen can address uh, anything with respect to their uh, actions. With respect to uh, that interview, I will say the president strongly, clearly, and uh, has consistently denied these underlying uh, claims, and the only person who's been inconsistent is the one making the claims. Was the president aware of a physical threat made against Ms. Daniels when she was with her daughter back in 2011? Well, the president doesn't believe that uh, any of the claims that uh, Ms. Daniels made last night in the interview are accurate. He doesn't believe she was threatened? Uh, no, he does not. What, what's his basis for that, Raj? Sorry? What's his basis for that? Well, he just uh, doesn't believe that, um, you know, there's nothing to corroborate her claim. All right, we've also learned that 22 million people watched 60 Minutes Sunday. The Porn Star interview was actually the news magazine's highest rated episode in a decade, second only to Barack and Michelle Obama's sit down in 2008, beating Donald Trump's 2016 interview and any interview Donald Trump has ever had on 60 Minutes. Stormy Daniels' lawyer did some trolling, though, tweeting, quote, since this is really what matters, LOL, the ratings for my client Stormy Daniels' appearance on 60 Minutes last night crushed by millions. Andy Apprentice show in the last 10 years as well as Mr. Trump's November 2016 appearance. Hashtag priorities. We will leave that there. Meanwhile, Republican lawmakers are finding it increasingly tough to escape Donald Trump's shadow, with many facing the grim future of a midterm that's going to be a referendum on the president's personal conduct and behavior. Quote, I don't see headlines with porn star Susan Nancy Pelosi, said Democratic Congressman Cedric Richmond. And Pennsylvania Republican Ryan Costello, in discussing his decision not to seek re-election to the House, said the president was getting in the way of the GOP's message. We're talking about porn stars and the president rather than about tax policy or what we need to get done by the end of the year or what should have been in the omnibus. And it's very difficult for me to get that message out because we're talking about Stormy Daniels or it was McCabe. Before that, it was Rex Tillerson and where he heard the news that he was fired. And just one thing after another, um, it, it, is, it is deeply frustrating. I will, I will certainly say that. John Meacham, uh, that's Ryan Costello, a rising star in Pennsylvania politics. He was expected to go places in the House. Now he's going home. Uh, and we find the article, this New York Times article, talks about the Catch-22 that we've been discussing for the past year. And that is Republicans have to act a certain way to get past the primary process, or they believe they right. do. I think they're badly mistaken. but. They think they have to bow and scrape to Donald Trump and apologize to Donald Trump to get through that primary process. But if you do that in a Nevada senatorial primary or in an Arizona uh, senatorial primary, as the article uh, uh, explains, you make yourself radioactive in the general election and you lose. Has Congressman Costello ever said who he voted for for president in 2016? I mean, is, 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 is he surprised 
by by this? Is is this a you know? It's a Claude Rain. It makes Claude Rains look like a documentary. I mean, yeah. of course. <laughs> This candidate is getting in the way of an agenda. I mean, what 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 planet are they on? Um, this is the the world we've all been living in since since the escalator uh, is is the same one. Uh, and so to suddenly discover, like Miranda in the Tempest, that oh brave new world, Donald Trump is a distraction from the issues of substance facing America. Good God. Um, well, uh, sorry, yeah. I just, and, I'm, and, just, I'm just, I'm just no, flabbergasted no, I, I, that, that suddenly a Republican would discover that maybe this unconventional president isn't really great for an underlying conser movement conservative agenda. Huh. Yeah, well, and John, and, and maybe if they had been speaking out against the worst, yeah. uh, his worst instincts, his worst character traits from the very beginning, yeah. as I've been saying, Maybe he would have checked those at the gate when he went into the White House yeah. if he thought he ever was going to have to pay any consequences from the Republican Party. But they have bowed and they have scraped and they have been scared to death. And let's just start at the very top with Paul Ryan, who said, yes, he's a racist. Yes, what he said was the epitome of, 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 of yeah. a racist statement. And yes, I'm going to endorse him. When that is where the party leader starts and that is where the party starts, it's obvious this is where we're going to end up. Yeah. You, you, where do you want to be in this? Uh, just All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm watching Donald Trump on, um, <laughs> on Facebook. There's a photograph of him. This is, I mean, him and Melody, Melanie, his wife, Melania, his wife, it looks as if they're trying to kiss each other. It looks so awkward. And it looks like she's, he's trying to kiss her on the mouth, but she's turning her cheek saying, I don't want you to kiss me on the mouth, but kiss me on the, the, on the jaw or the cheek. Okay, watch Donald Trump try and fail to kiss Melania Trump at the state arrival ceremony. The president's unsuccessful attempt to negotiate Melania's, Melania's wide brim hat for a peck on the cheek. Later to hold her hand and, and as Trita was buzzing. She don't like him. I, I just don't believe that that um, Melania likes Donald Trump and they're married. It doesn't strike me that she likes him. I mean, I've seen their awkwardness before. I've seen it before. Um, they're walking together, and she's gazing and looking somewhere else, and he's waiting. Nobody's waving back, probably. Uh, she's got to. She's got to be hurt by all of these allegations, and some of them are not allegations of other women going up the dresses of other women, <laughs> the pee tape, they're peeing on each other or something. If you've heard, if you heard that. Okay. I, I can see the gimmick on her face. She just, he discusses her and uh, he discusses everybody. Trump discusses everybody. Uh, save it for the porn stars. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, uh, Millennial would wear uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. I'm not going to say that <laughs> somebody said something uh, kind of uh, 
not kosher for this show. But anyway, uh, I, I just don't think she likes him. I think he disgusts her. All these allegations coming out about other women suing him, this or that, Stormy Daniels, porn stars, hookers, the P tape, uh, the Russia investigation. You got uh, then you got uh, Stormy Daniels' lawyer. You've got people constantly suing him all over the damn world for 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 money that he owes them. And uh, you know it, it's just. Uh, this is why I say I don't think Trump is going going to uh, make it. I don't think he can make it, even if he tries. I mean, he's a dislikeful guy. He's a dislikeful person. But I don't think that's going to move him any. Uh, I just can't wait to, uh, the, uh, for the indictments to be handed down, the subpoenas, even the the arrest or the raids that may come uh they may even the the FBI may even raid the White House, you know. But I'm pretty sure that Trump has got he, this guy probably then destroyed every evidence uh, there was or were in the White House because of there's a possibility that it may get raided, just like his lawyer's office and homes and hotels were. So Trump is probably uh, done hitting everything, done destroyed it already. <laughs> But I'm gonna tell you something. Once you do something on the computer, it's there. No matter no matter how much you try to delete it and get it off, it's there. I mean, professional people uh, can start ripping up your computer computer and find all your deleted files. So I'm pretty sure that Trump, uh, if there was any evidence in, of wrongdoing in the White House, I'm pretty sure he and his goons have um, destroyed it by now. Anyway, you were listen, you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air, folks. Here, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for podcasting the show. Thank you for putting up with the show. I know there's so many other um, things you could be doing. There's so many other uh, uh, options out there. Uh, and you decided to give me your time, your, a little bit of your time anyway. I want to thank you for that. And I do appreciate it. And I hope you guys join me tomorrow.
Now lay me down Before I go to sleep In a troubled world I pray the Lord to keep Keep hatred from the mighty And the mighty from the small And every day of the week, except for Friday, we're off on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. But we're here Monday through Thursday. Uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is signing off. I want to thank everybody. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend. Whichever one comes first. And God bless. Bye-bye, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.